riding along normally in the, in the sun, feeling quite good and just hit a rock and I can't remember anything from then, but I, I hit my head pretty bad. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 63 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who is crashing their bike. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist, and two very quick reviews to get us underway today. The first one, awesome, five stars by Wang Pig 2 from the United States. Truly the best cycling podcast out there, whether you are new to riding or have been in it for decades. You will pick up great tips on how to improve your writing. Thanks for the hard work. Thank you, Wang Pig number two. That's a great name, by the way, but I don't want to insult anyone if their name is Wang. Thank you for writing that review. And the second one, Excellent Topics, five stars by J40er from the United States. So far, the topics covered in Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast are right on the money to what we as Semi-Pro Cyclists, at least my wife thinks I am, need to hear. Keep it up. You keep me entertained and educated on the way to work. I am glad to hear that, J40er. And i got to say, my wife thinks exactly the same thing. And if you do like the show and get something from it, I would really love it if you dropped over to iTunes and gave me a review. Thank you very much. Now, the news this week, of course, it is World Champion Week. Well, more like a week and a half. But we have had the team time trial already with Omega Pharma Quick Step stepping up and just beating Orica Green Edge by less than a second. It's got to be such a bummer for Orica Green Edge. And it's actually really surprising to me. Yes, they did well in the team's time trial in the tour, but you wouldn't really say anything other than their spirit and how they work together is their biggest strength rather than the riders together themselves. It was really funny in all of the media afterwards. They're kind of saying how they were really bummed, but they're really happy that they pulled it together. I bet you behind the scenes, they were absolutely pissed off. But congratulations to Omega Pharma Quickstep. Year number two of the trade team's time trial and year number two that they've taken it with them. And speaking of Omega Pharma Quickstep, Tony, 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 Tony Martin, how Does he do it? It was an absolutely amazing and dominant performance. Pretty surprising that Wiggins came in second and Cancellara third, and they were only a couple of seconds, but you cannot go past how awesome this ride was from Tony. And he said it himself that it suited him perfectly, so he has been preparing for this for a long time, and he knew every single turn, every corner, and he rode it to perfection. It's totally awesome. I liked his subtle salute right at the end there. And I got to say, his legs are bloody huge. They seem like they're bigger than Cancellara's. I've never seen them in person. The dude rides with power. And let's see what Cancellara can do when it comes to the road race this weekend, because he has stated that he is going for the road race, even though It may not suit him, but the road race definitely is stirring up a lot of mixed predictions when it comes to who is going to be the new world champ for 2014. There are definitely no clear favorites. 
everyone seems to have a different pick for the win. So I found it really difficult to narrow down and actually pick someone for the win. It's a really tough course and it suits a climber this year. But the other strongmen are definitely going to be out there trying to really hit it off. The challenge for the strongmen is the climbing, but then the flattish finish really is going to be a challenge for the climbers. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic play out. But my pick is Nibbly. And while he may be tired from his two Grand Tours this year, and he may even be lacking some top end, I do believe he rides on so much heart that he'll be able to pick up that 10, 15%, whatever it is, because he has lived in Tuscany ever since the age of 16. This is the closest to a home world championships that I think he can ever, ever hope for. He is Italian and he will have the support of the whole nation behind him. And I dare say he is a contender and he is the one that I'm picking. But either way, it's going to be a wild ride and I'm pumped to be sitting down and watching it on Sunday with all of you. And as per last week, I am still keen to get together when I am in Australia, in Sydney and in Melbourne towards the end of November. So if you are going to be around at that time, please get in touch because I'd love to put something together so we can hang out and talk cycling, possibly go for a ride. But either way, there will probably be beer involved. So the nuts and bolts this week, how to pick your races. I know we're in that time of the season when it comes to the Northern Hemisphere, and it may be a bit different for those peeps down south, but I really still think that this will help you moving into summer and then next year into winter. So... It's not always about picking the biggest and the best race when it comes to picking your races. The one with the big name or the hard reputation may not be the best one for you. And so I'm trying to move past that and figure out how you can go about picking the best races suited to you based on a few criteria. So being selective could definitely be the difference between achieving some goals maybe some wins, and getting smashed week after week, or even riding your last race season ever. I know that sounds a little melodramatic, but it's true that if you had such a bad season that you didn't want to turn around and race the next one because you can't see through your grade or wherever you are or the style of race that you like, then this may help you plan a season and certain races that will keep you motivated throughout the season and get you pumped year after year. So one cool thing about being a semi-pro is that there are no semi-pro world championships. You get to choose your own world championships and unlike the pro world champs, you don't have to wait until the course suits you before you can have a crack at a win. You can chop and change races depending on your preparation, your racing style, your physiological attributes. All of these things play a massive part in actually selecting races that are perfect for you. So this really is the fun part. I really love this stuff where you get to sit down and design the season as you want it. I can kind of hear what you're saying already. You want to go and win that state championship and that doesn't change from year to year. But it's not always about just the state championship because if you're not in the win for the state championship in that year, then you can still build up and use other races and select those for the win, but still race those championships, just not at your peak form. And depending on when you started racing, because if you are new to racing, 
all you want to do in a season is basically ride as many types of races as possible because it's going to help you learn about your physiological response and your psychological preferences when it comes to the different disciplines in cycling because there really is a large variety that catered to a lot of different types of cyclists. And so, you know, the crits, the hilly stage races, the windy and hard one-day race, the flat time trials, until you understand what you like and what you're good at and find that sweet spot in between the two, you're probably not able to hone in on a specific race until you have that down. But you may be in the situation where you know exactly what you want to win and good on you, but this is hopefully going to help you build out some races around that as well because I really believe that this is a better recipe for motivation to keep going for the long haul than just picking something you're good at or just something that you like. So finding this sweet spot to me, is really, really important. And personally, I've done a mix of things over the year, either actually racing for the, watch out for the lame, humble brag here, world championships, or I've raced for something I've wanted just to compete in or complete, or I've raced out of my depth to challenge myself, or I've picked a favorite event, or I've picked something based on strengths, my experience, my self-belief, and my physiological indicators. So that's my sweet spot, but I've tried all the other ones, and I can say that I've had the most success with the last style that I'm actually talking about today. So picking an event based on your strengths is definitely the 80-20 of riding the best you can in the shortest time possible, and finding events that you can win based on elements I've spoken about already is going to get you to the win sooner. So knowing what type of rider you are plays a big role in this. And if you don't know what type of rider you are yet, then it's all about testing, 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 racing, testing, racing, racing, testing. It's all the same thing. And so that's going to paint one picture. But going back to why you would choose all these different races in your first couple of seasons is because you want to match the two and see what you like. And then you put the two together. Before I move on, I have a couple of things that will hopefully clarify where my head was at when I was putting all of this together. And I did want to actually move away from talking about your season as a whole and using periodization, etc. But it's really hard just to randomly pick races and expect to do well. So unless you are in a lower grade where everyone is a generalist and less clued up about their strengths, then you have to follow some type of plan. And without getting into it though, Let's take the standardized A, B, and C race prioritization method and pick out some races. So without digging into your periodized training plan, we can still pick out the races and then everything else flows on from that. Also, prioritizing events has nothing to do with wanting to win the event. We all want to win every single time we line up, but it's all about maximizing the ability to realize your A race objectives. So just so you have that straight, every time you get to a line, yes, you want to win or you're riding for the win. There just may be other factors involved with you not winning or being realistic about your fitness at that moment in time. So let's move on to the A, B, and C races and the process of going through and selecting these races and a little bit more detail about why and how to squeeze them into your season. Okay, so first up, let's talk about the A race. And it all starts with the A race, the big one. And it may not be just one race. So how many races can you have 
that you can aim for as your A race. And that really depends on a number of factors, including your responsiveness to training overloads, the type of events which you're training for, and the similarity of your A events. Because someone training for a long stage race may only be capable of realizing one true peak per season. If it's some epic thing like the Tour de France, which we're not riding, but if it was, then that is going to be the main focus of the season and everything else flows on from that. But where where an athlete that's competing in, say, single-day events can maybe aim for two or three, or in some cases, four peaks. Just look at Cancellara. But generally speaking, most cyclists can achieve between one and three peaks. And if you're uncertain of how many peaks to schedule, then just start at two. I think that's probably the easiest way to start. And it spreads out a season enough that you could do different types of events, different types of seasons, and you would have a good idea of how to build up to two separate ones. Under Friel's model, he says you don't want to pick any more than three A races per season. And this is kind of, if you are a little bit more experienced and you know how your body works, then it's definitely possible to do three. I definitely do endorse this and would say for everybody else, then three races would probably be your absolute maximum that you want to aim for. Because considering that you're not building fitness when you're tapering for an event, if you picked three races, that's already six weeks out of the season that you aren't building fitness. So if your season is 12 weeks, those six weeks take away half of the time that you could be using for training specific areas. So outside of your tapering weeks, your race season will probably contain maintenance blocks where you aren't building either. So instead, you're just holding on to fitness that you've developed up until that point. And it paints a pretty clear picture that other than the importance of your off-season preparation, it really shows how a little bit of planning can go a long, long way. So start with the number one race you want to do well in, the absolute number number one that you're aiming for. Then have a look around a week after. Are there any races a week after that you want to do well in or you could do well in? At a max, look for three to four clumped together over two to three weeks. And that will give you an idea whether there are some races that you can put in there. If you don't find any, then you can start to look a little further. And remember, it's really about a minimum of six weeks apart between your A races, but eight is absolutely a lot better. So have a look around at those time periods and see are there any races before or after the A race that you want to add as another A race to work up to. A couple of cheeky ways to increase your chances of a win is picking up either early or late season races as your A races. As long as you've had a proper build-up to either one, your chances of winning increase due to other riders either not peaking if it's early season or being too tired if it's late in the season. Or another way is to choose events that heavy hitters won't be bothering to go to or they overlap with big races, whether it's there's an MTB road crossover event or just a big event that outshines the one that you could do well in. I know that sounds a little cheeky and maybe a cop-out in certain scenarios, but if it's a development year for you, it might give you the boost and confidence to then attack the race that you really want to do the year after. Remember, cycling is a long ball sport. So one final note when it comes down to picking the A race, because the entire training week is affected by an A or a B event, which we'll get into in a moment. When there are two events within a weekend and they share the same prioritization with the higher prioritization prevailing, the weekend counts as only one event for the purpose of counting types of priorities. So if you have a road race and a criterium and you've listed them as B and C, you're really going to just slot them in together as B or as C. You really can't mix them up that way because you're going to have a peak or a taper moving into 
that weekend. And so you don't want to confuse them and then sacrifice one for the other. You just want to count them together. And stage races, like smaller stage races, are exactly the same thing and count as a single event. So moving on to B races, once you have your A races down, it's now time to pick B races. And B races will help you build your race shape because only racing can prepare you for racing. It's kind of like the old school way that pros used to train where they would not actively go out and train. They would just race a hell of a lot of races. And it's not like that's the option we're doing now because we are following a periodized plan, aren't we? Well, some type of plan. I'm not preaching here, but as far as the fitness and the tactics practice, this is where B races really shine. And so in my mind, you really want to make them as similar as possible to your A race or your A races because B races are important enough to warrant some reduction in training volume and intensity leading up to the event, but you're not taking two weeks out just to get to that one event. So expect to come into your B races a little fatigued and depending on how you respond to time off the bike, it's possible to have two or three days of light riding to get to the start line a little fresher. But don't expect miracles here because you have to pick your race objective and use it as a stepping stone to learn and get a feel for the big show. So again though, think about the time off, a building phase of your training plan, you need to be careful with how many B events are scheduled in when they are scheduled. And so it comes back to that question, how many B races are too many? It's probably difficult to have more than 10 to 12 B races without negatively impacting the overall training load as it's perfectly fine to have fewer. So if you go back to a B race and if you're knocking out two or three days of any type of training that is building a fitness system, then if you had 12 races and you halve that, that's essentially six weeks again that you're kind of compromising. So again, you can think about B races as not building, it's more maintenance or even slightly tapering when you're reducing a bit of your volume. And in addition to limiting the total number of B races, you should really consider when the B races take place because too many B races on consecutive weekends leading up to a peak may be counterproductive because your training load is reduced. For example, if you have three weekends in a row of B races beginning in the first week of a build block, then you are significantly reducing the volume for the entire phase. So try limiting the number of consecutive weekends with B races to two. But outside of that, have a look at only having a maximum of 12, but still be conscious of the effect that they will have on building fitness throughout the season. And moving on to the final one now, the C race. And the final category of where we're going to prioritize our races, but they can be scattered throughout the season, but more than likely though, they will be in the early part of the season where you will train through them. So this is where you're really going to get to the start line and feel tired and fatigued. But early season races should include a healthy dose of practice. Work on moving around easily, cornering safely and getting back in the flow of the field. If you've recently upgraded, don't be afraid to work your way around the group and get acquainted. Your fitness won't be there unless it is a sneaky A race of yours. But either way, these are good events to get a feel for your competition, your early season weaknesses and to help out your teammates which hopefully will pay you back later on in the season but fitness wise these races are just another workout so it's important to consider the effect on your overall plan here again 
Just like a group ride can derail your carefully planned training, a race can take over your brain and throw out any planned objectives because we are human after all. So you've got to go into these races being aware of that. These races, though, are a great time to experiment with different race strategies. So having a clear picture of what each race can offer you, knowing that your form won't be there. You can use them for tune-ups, hard workouts, fun events, or even just general growth, but you are not limited to how many of these you can put in your season, but be warned because you need to be careful that these don't push you from overreaching into overtraining. So that is probably the most important thing when it comes to looking at what sea races to include. As a conclusion, yes, this will take some time, but it's not complicated once you lock in your A races. Probably getting to the A race is the hardest bit because that can take years and testing and understanding and some analysis of how you ride. But once you have those locked down, then you can definitely have the confidence to know that every race you are doing in the season is moving towards your A race and it makes finding B and C races a whole lot more fun when you think about what you can take from those moving towards that bigger goal. So apart from everything I've spoken about, picking a race that fits into an overall plan maintains motivation when things don't go your way and give you the best shot at crushing every single rider in the field when you want to. Now, the tech hacks and products section. Here is a very quick hack for you. Ride in the rain. I know it sounds simple. It probably sounds novel, but I'm sure you don't go actively out in the rain and ride and see what happens. I know I whinge every single time my bike gets dirty when it starts to pour down on me, but once it's done, it's done, and then I just get on with it. And one thing about riding in the rain is that you can learn so much about yourself while you are out there suffering. And there are a whole bunch of other things that you can learn, like technical things, like what clothes to wear and how to handle your bike in the wet, which is something that really is overlooked. And you only have to look at Bradley Wiggins in this year's Giro to understand that if you don't get out there and do it, then you aren't going to get better at it. So the next time it's raining, get out there and slosh about. You may even find out just how crap your carbon wheels are in the wet. Now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's Adam Phelan, the young Aussie lad racing in the under-23 road race tomorrow. Good luck, Adam. I'm not sure if you're riding for the win or you're riding for Caleb, but can Caleb get over the climbs? That's the big question. But either way, it's going to be fun to watch, especially because there are a couple of English dark horses in the field that may be my pick for the race win. But that's it for this week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 